Chelsea Fairless and I'm Lauren Caroni and welcome back to Every Outfit and really welcome back Chelsea. How was that sojourn to Italy? Oh thank you. Yes I am a real traveler of the world now. You're a real jet setter living that Michael Kors lifestyle. It's true it's true. Although you didn't go to Italy for Michael Kors you went to Italy for a different designer and I guess I have to ask do I have to cancel you now? Oh come on. Is this the last is, guys this is actually the last every outfit podcast because unfortunately <laughs> I'm going to have to cancel Chelsea for going to a Dolce and Gabbana fashion oh, show. Oh fuck off. <laughs> Yes, I I did go to Venice to see the Dolce & Gabbana Altimoda collection, which is their couture show, because as you know, I'm a big couture client. I have a lot of charity functions coming up and, you know, I need clothes. I'm about that made to measure life. And the Met Gala's coming up. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not I'm not buying shit off the rack. Are you kidding? Uh, you guys can't see, but Chelsea is in a full ass ball gown right now. I'm in a full Dolce and Gabbana like princess outfit, complete with like a crown. Would have thought you would have gone with a couture caftan, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, no, I actually went because my wife was invited, and I was very much a plus one. I wasn't there because they loved our review of their last show on the pod. Like, it's not. <laughs> I'm not that big of a deal. Um, but did they like our review of their last <laughs> show? Uh, the jury's out on that. But yeah, I mean, it was a total spectacle. And it's not just one show. It's three days of events that include a women's couture show, a men's couture show, the fine jewelry presentation, the furniture unveiling, and then parties and cocktail parties and dinners and all of that sort of stuff. I mean, I don't even know how to talk about this experience without sounding like Bill Hader as Stefan. So I thought I'd use his vernacular to to recap the experience. Please do. Venice's hottest party is Dolce & Gabbana's Altimoda. It has everything. Mime-scaling lamp poles, medieval horn blowers, feathered capes that cost as much as houses, Jennifer Hudson singing opera, Kourtney Kardashian's thong, a Rex hawk. I'm sorry. Love this, but gotta ask, what's a Rexhawk? That would be BB Rexa in a faux hawk. <laughs> Slutty gondoliers, 50% of Benefer, 10-year-olds in couture, Susie Menke's in a surgical mask, hailstones the size of marbles, dominatrixes giving giant teddy bears lap dances. I'm sorry, what? Uh, yes, that was an integral part of the post-show entertainment. And just when you think the fun is over, knock, knock, who's there? <laughs> It's Vin Diesel talking loudly to no one in particular. What was he saying? Lauren, I don't even know. (laughs) Like, during both of the shows and one of the dinners, I was like, who's shouting? (laughs) And I realized it was just kind of Vin Diesel walking around, like, hyping up the room. Like, he was like the hype man for the event. He was just like, Venice, baby, Venice, baby. Then I'd hear him, like, go to the other side of the room and, like, do the same exact thing. Well, as someone that has seen all of the Fast and Furious films, I would assume he's talking about family. In a very gravelly voice, because that's mostly his dialogue. He goes, family. <laughs> family and Coronas. But yeah, I mean, there were there were lots of celebs there. It wasn't just Vin Diesel being my personal version of It Follows. <laughs> it was like, it was like, it was J-Lo. It was Megan the Stallion. It was Normani. Hel- Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren, I think, apart from Vin Diesel, was like the other star of the the weekend. She was like really just like keeping the energy up. You know, I think she made friends with everyone by the end of the thing. Is she going to appear on the podcast on a Sex in the City episode (laughs) review episode? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Okay, I don't think I'm that close to Helen Mirren yet, but maybe one day. It was very interesting watching the discourse online. As you were there and I was just on TikTok because it sort of broke down into two camps, which was like, yeah, Dolce & Gabbana is shitty, but let's talk about how major the looks are, which is like, you can't do that. Yeah. (laughs) It seems like a conflict of interest. Or two, it was like, I'm not even going to list 
how shitty Dolce and Gabbana are, you know what they did. And it's like, do you even know what they did? Or do you know it's just popular to say that they're shitty right now? Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for Dolce and Gabbana to redeem themselves in the eyes of like a certain segment of the Twitter population. Who cert- never bought Dolce and Gabbana, never did before, right. never would. I mean, certainly like diet Prada stands, but... I don't really think it's changed the core Dolce & Gabbana customer's mind about anything. And if this event was any indication, it hasn't really changed a lot of celebrities' minds either. And also just a brief note for those trying to quote-unquote cancel Dolce & Gabbana, like you do you, go off, but you probably won't have much success because as I've said previously on this podcast, you cannot cancel those who are not beholden to a larger corporate entity. Right. Unlike a Dior or a Gucci, Dolce and Gabbana are privately owned by none other than Domenico Dolce and Stefano Gabbano, who each own 40% of the company. So they couldn't even cancel each other from Dolce and Gabbana. No, and you know what the fucked up thing? Even after this whole weekend, I still don't know which one is which. They didn't have a meet and greet. They're like, I'm Domenico Dolce. I mean, I could, I could quite I'm easily Stefano. Google this, but I, I would like it to remain a mystery as to which one is which. Okay, so they own 80% of the company. Do you know who owns the other 20%? Who? They're family members. They're all about family. Well, that was like one of the, the most interesting things about the event for me because I'm used to going to fashion shows that have a lot of press and editors and buyers and it girls and stuff like that but this show is very much for the couture clients and a handful of celebrities basically and there were entire families in couture like children mom dad grandma it was really something to see do you think that's why vin diesel was there because he's all about family (laughs) i think his son was also there yeah and a lot of the his son who plays a younger version of him in the fast and furious film go on I think he may have modeled in the men's show but I can't confirm that I know that like okay so the women's show was really over the top it was held in San Marco Square which is like a big tourist attraction in Venice and there's a hundred plus models many of which were children of celebrities right so it was like Puff Daddy's kids and Heidi Klum's daughter and like that vibe and then on top of the like 100 plus models there are 100 plus mimes like gondoliers guys in like eyes wide shut bird masks it was like giving Fellini it was very lavish and and over the top but I think like as for the show itself I think the the end like the finale look spoke to me the most there were these really poofy voluminous like taffeta gowns and capes that made the models look like giant flowers again i'm sounding like stefan here well i mean that's what you're wearing in front of me right now (laughs) yeah exactly you can hardly see my face i'm just like it's enveloped in a giant taffeta dolce and gabbana rose I have to tell you, from the sideline, it's very weird to know everything that happened to the show, but know it because of Daily Mail and not through my friend who was actually there. So which show had the hailstorm? The hailstorm was the men's show. So the women's show is like the Alta Moda show, whereas the men's show is the Alta Sartoria show. And that show was the next day, again, similarly lavish, over 100 looks. That was crazy. I mean, I can't believe Couture for Men exists. Like, I can wrap my head around around the idea of like a bespoke suit but like a couture tunic that looks like a venetian mosaic that's made of beads like that shit is crazy some guy was dressed like zeus was he in the audience or in the yeah, show? Yeah, he was because it's to even be invited to these shows, you have to have bought something from the previous season. So everyone is in clothes that they've purchased like for the event. But yes, that was the show that had the hail. And that was also where I saw Kravis. I was going to say, fashion smashing. Let's get down to brass tacks here. What was Kravis like? Kravis looked so hot. I was really sad because I had missed Kravis the day before and they didn't go to any of the after parties. But I did sit a few rows behind Kravis at the at the men's show. For those who don't know, we are talking about Travis Barker and Courtney. That is their, I guess, internet selected couple's name, Kravis. Which is really interesting because... That could have been Travis Scott and Kylie's name, but it just never happened. (laughs) It's like, which Kravis are you talking about? But I actually didn't realize that the hail had started. I thought it was a security threat against Kravis because some guy in a black (laughs) outfit just like 
barreled down past me and I later realized was holding an umbrella to cover them when the hail started. It was one of the most intense hailstorms I've ever seen. We had to use the cushions that we were sitting on to shield our heads from the hail. I know your your wife told me that she got uh, pelted with a hail thing and her her whole right temple was just throbbing. I said, are you going to bring charges against Dolce and Gabbana? (laughs) Yeah, I actually, when we were running to shelter, my uh, heel got caught in like a grate and I almost got trampled by Italian socialites. Like it was like, but then thankfully some, some chivalrous man just jumped down and freed me. Oh my God. Well, I guess we've learned men are good for something. <laughs> exactly. Once I got to safety, I was under the same ledge as Helen Mirren and she was like, we're going to remember this for the rest of our lives. And you were like, only because Helen Mirren just said, we're (laughs) going to remember this for the rest of our lives. No, I mean, it was like unforgettable just because of how chaotic and just visually stunning it was. Just seeing people again dressed as like princesses, just like scrambling like that was wild. I'm sure it's exactly how it looked when ancient Rome fell. (laughs) So congratulations, your first influencer trip, even as a plus (laughs) one. Fuck you. But, you know, I did exciting shit, too, while you were gone. Oh, did you? Okay. I binged the uh, entire first season of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City in 36 hours. So, like... Oh, wow. You know. Wow. How was it? These women are either current Mormons, former Mormons, or something called Mormons 2.0. They all look like female wrestlers and either... And either want to be their daughters or fuck their sons. And I include the one who has a gay son in this equation, Okay. (laughs) One of the cast members... What do you, why do they look like female wrestlers? You know, a, a, an enticing combination of fillers and what have you. Okay. One of the cast members, Mary Cosby, who is not a Mormon, she is a Pentecostal preacher with a church she inherited from her grandmother because she agreed to marry her step-grandfather. Who she, Sounds hot. Who she is still currently married to. The most poorly behaved of the housewives, Jen Shaw, was actually arrested on wire fraud charges while they were filming season two, which is about to come out next week, I think. Okay, love that for her. Yeah, so for those of you who are like me, who's like, I can't handle another housewife franchise, I'm telling you, this is worth it. Okay, so how many seasons? Only one for Salt Lake City. So maybe I could, this could be my entry point, because there's not like 10 seasons like every other one that people watch. Yeah, people are very shocked that Chelsea has not watched any of the housewives. I'm going to do Beverly Hills from the beginning. You I, got- commit, I commit this. Yeah. I'll I- update you guys on my journey. I also watched He's All That, so you didn't have to. (laughs) Did you ever see She's All That? I don't remember. I don't think so. Okay, She's All That. It's in the era of, or maybe the subgenre of 90s teen films, where I'll call them, they're the bet films. Not to be confused with 10 Things I Hate About You that came out in the same year. She's All That is Freddie Prince Jr. gets dumped by his girlfriend, who's the most popular girl. Paul Walker bets him, or he bets Paul Walker that he can make any girl, even the most unpopular girl, a prom queen. And of course they select... So it's Carrie. (laughs) It's a remake of Carrie. God, I wish. She does get a drink poured on her at a party. But they're like, we are going to pick the weirdest, most unpopular, ugly girl in the world, Rachel Lee Cook. I love how they're they're never ugly. Like, no. I, and I love how we have to suspend our disbelief and pretend that, like, I don't know, Sandra Bullock and Miss Congeniality is some, like, ugly, you know, yeah, bitch. It takes an hour's an all-day makeover to make her even <laughs> look appealing. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway... Of course, now, 20 years later, they must gender swap the film. So now it's he's all that. So Addison Ray is the popular girl. But guess what? She's a popular girl who's poor. Ugh. Oh. Which is weird because when the reveal happens in the film, they're like, yeah, no, we knew you were poor. Anyway, <laughs> you're like, okay. But the film should honestly just be called Sponsored the Movie. Like, mm-hmm. I love a good product placement, but I've never seen so many products in a film. What products were placed? Okay. I mean, in the opening scene, she's, of course, doing a TikTok live stream. So there's TikTok right there for you. But in the opening scene, I wrote this down. You see Eos go smile. And then she's like, how do I stay hydrated? Oh, with my aloe head to toe glow oil. And of course, it's like holding it in a way that no one else would hold it. Except like a 1950s I mean, show I guess model. since she's an influencer, at least this makes sense, kind of, right? 
Right. But then there's a scene where the quote unquote ugly guy, the unpopular guy, who has honestly a 17 pack, which is very unsettling when teenagers have like ripped abs like a Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Like, have you ever seen photos of those like quote unquote child bodybuilders? No. <laughs> Because I don't want to end up on any lists. But it's even in the dialogue where it's like, hey, man, you cleaned out all my sun chips. Something called core water, which is the best scene because the group is sitting at a table. The water is like they've opened the cap. They don't drink out of the water. And then they just walk away from the scene without the water so that the core can be perfectly in the shot. There's a scene with, where they go to a party and there's Pizza Hut there. And it's like, I'm eating free Pizza Hut is what we're doing, man. Uh, I could go for some Pizza Hut right now. And now we're doing Spawn for uh, Pizza yeah. Hut. It's, it's, we're closing the circle. Anyway, if you're really stoned, watch He's All That. Although I want annoyance. Rachel Lee Cook does come back to play Addison Rae's mother. Which is okay, like, that's cool. Except for the fact that she's playing a totally different character from the original film and she isn't married to Freddie Prince Jr. Or Freddie Prince Jr. Oh yeah, isn't. that sucks. What a missed opportunity. That's what I'm saying. Shall we move on to some And Just Like That news that we missed? Sure. Yeah, we haven't talked about this in a minute. There's not that much except for the fact that while we were gone or away from podcasting, it's been announced, and I put that in quotes, that uh, Nicole Ari Parker is the new Samantha. Yes, I've been seeing this everywhere. So this started on August 16th when Sarah Jessica Parker posted a photo of herself, Cynthia Nixon, and Kristen Davis, and Nicole Ari Parker embracing, and the caption was very Sarah Jessica Parker-y. Oh, so fine. I'd sing along to 70s love songs with this trio deep into any night. I'd just like Max. I'll see you tomorrow, ladies. Which that photo somehow gave. <laughs> yes. Yes, Chelsea. No, I have nothing to say. Um, I guess that somehow gave The Guardian license to release an article on August 22nd with the title, Nicole Ari Parker to replace Kim Cattrall in HBO's Sex and the City reboot. I'm calling fake news. It's just one photo. And I get it because having a photo of the four of them does make it seem like Samantha has been replaced in a very like overt way, right? But I don't think a photo... You don't think a photo Samantha makes is what you're saying? I just see how this art... I see how this theory has just kind of like snowballed on the internet. It's literally because The Guardian wrote that headline. It then gave license for everyone else to run with that. Do you know what I also noticed in The Guardian article about this? What? They quoted one Miss Chelsea Fairless who... No, they didn't. Who at one point said, that show was as white as it gets. They didn't ever have a person of color as a series regular. Well, yeah, that's just a fact. That then got picked up by Vulture and you were like, when did I say this? Yeah, because someone emailed me a cut article with this quote and I was like, what? Yes, it's from an interview you gave or a quote you gave in 2018 to The Guardian of which its headline is, that show was as white <laughs> as it gets, Sex in the City's problematic legacy. Yikes. Look, I'm not saying Sex in the City isn't problematic at times. I mean, I think the point that The Guardian is trying to make is your quote is what pushed Michael Patrick King to make Nicole Ari Parker the new Samantha. So who knew your power? I mean, changing the face of sex in the city, going to Dolce & Gabbana shows. What will you do next? Oh, God. Anyway, maybe she is. Maybe she not. She's, she's not. probably not. I think they, they're going to leave the door open for the fact that maybe Kim Cattrall wants to come back for a season two if there is one. Yes. And while we're on the subject of and just like that stuff, I have a request for the costume department. Well, I mean, your influence is seen and felt <laughs> everywhere. Go on. Exactly. I want to see Sarah Jessica Parker's legs. Okay. You know what I mean? I want to see like a calf, you know. An ankle. So far, we've seen a lot of maxi dresses and long skirts on the show, which is great. Love that. Jumpsuits, pants. Pants. But also it's like, I know her legs are still amazing. I know it because she still wears, you know, like out and about, she still wears short-ish dresses. Like we don't have to put her in a micro mini, but like, can I just see like a bit of knee, like... We're not asking for upper thigh. Knee and below is fine with us. You know how the Daily Mail always describes legs as slim pins? Yeah. Like no one has slimmer pins than Sarah Jessica Parker. And we deserve to see those slim pins. We know you're listening, Michael Patrick. <laughs> 
So yeah, we touched on this briefly a few weeks ago, but there's been some more goss with Tiffany's uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z about love campaign. Where we last left off, Beyonce was dressed in Holly Golightly cosplay wearing a 128.54 carat <laughs> Tiffany diamond necklace with Jay-Z doing his best Basquiat impression, coincidentally in front of a previously unseen Basquiat painting owned by the Arnott family, who just finished their acquisition of Tiffany earlier this year. You know, when we last recorded, everyone had lauded the campaign until they realized, like, oh, wait, um, Beyonce's probably wearing a conflict diamond mined in inhumane conditions by slaves? I don't think we're okay with that. Right. And so she faced backlash. Yeah, I mean, when this ad came out, the general response in my feed seemed to be of the, like, yes, couple goals variety, which confused me because... I don't like this ad, not because I think that it's offensive, but because, you know, like you said, the concept feels very muddled. This campaign exists at the intersection of several brands, right? The Basquiat brand, the J&Bay brand, the Tiffany's brand, the Breakfast at Tiffany's brand. It's just like a lot. It feels like there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, you know? What I love, again, similar to this Adam Driver Burberry ad is... They were shown a brief, like they thought this was a great idea. And I just, I would love to know what the brief was or the explanation of it. I'm sure for Beyonce was the idea. Look, she's the only the fourth ever woman to wear that diamond. The first one was Mary Whitehouse, the wife of American diplomat Edwin Sheldon Whitehouse, Audrey Hepburn, and then Lady Gaga at the Oscars, right? Right. And then she's also the first black woman to wear this diamond. I'm sure what they told Beyonce was like, oh, no. This Tiffany diamond was um, discovered by Charles Tiffany, but it's not. It was dug up from the Beers Kimberly mine in colonial South Africa in 1877. I'm sure they had a great HR department back then. (laughs) I mean, look, whether or not it's a conflict diamond, uh, which is, I guess, the woke term for blood diamond now. I didn't know about this until... This this incident? This incident happened. Yeah, conflict and blood diamonds, we should make the distinction, are usually mined to fund war and conflict. But like because it was colonial South Africa, it, it was not good. Well, I mean, I think it's safe to say that any jewels that were mined in the 1800s yeah. were the product of like extremely inhumane and fatal labor conditions. But that's still the case today. I mean, people die all the time mining for diamonds and gold. And this is why we need to grow diamonds in labs like Frank Ocean. (laughs) Exactly. My reaction to this backlash is, of course it wasn't ethically mined. I mean, that's a concept that was invented seven years ago, and I'm still not sure it's a thing. Yeah. If Tiffany made a concerted effort to start doing lab-created diamonds and they brought in Jay-Z and Beyonce to advertise that, that would be interesting. Yeah. I really got into this story when Tina Knowles weighed in. When the great American couturier... Tina Knowles. I'm not even joking. I mean, have you seen the outfits that she made for Destiny's Child? She commented on someone's Instagram, who I assume was dragging Beyonce for partaking in this. How many of you socially conscious activists own diamonds? I thought so, exclamation point. Well, guess what? Did you go try to check and see where the diamond came from? Probably not. It's like, yeah, fair point. Oh, I thought she was trying to dunk on people that it's like people commenting can't afford diamonds. No. So they shouldn't comment. No, she's just saying like, you guys have diamonds and you don't know where the fuck they're from. I mean, I don't own diamonds, but if I did, I definitely wouldn't know where the fuck they were from. I can admit that. I think it's fair that most people don't know where their shit comes from. Honestly, I think Tina Knowles should be doing PR for Dolce & Gabbana. (laughs) Well, another thing that we should note is that there is no proof that this Basquiat painting was in any way inspired by Tiffany. This is very much a lineage that they are choosing to invent, which I guess connects the Tiffany brand with... uh, authentic sense of blackness or something i don't know we should go back because the the painting that is featured um which was painted in 1982 which is the most kind of sought after basquiat year includes a a tiffany blue paint in it yes which they are trying to connect with like we don't know for sure but we've talked to his family and we did a basquiat retrospective and so we like to think that you know he was inspired by tiffany does he have like an hermes orange painting too that they can buy 
I dug a little and by dug a little, I found an Artnet article about this, which is what's super crazy about this painting, which is said that the Arnott family bought for eight figures is when it was first brought to the auction block in 1990 for a price, uh, it was estimated to go for 300,000 to 420,000. It failed to sell. That's insane. They tried to sell it six years later at a lowered price of 170000 to 235000 It sold for 253000 The most recent owners before the Arnott's is another jewelry family who I've never heard of before called the Sabadini family, who have their own eponymous jewelry company. So they're also, their whole thing of like, this has never been seen before is untrue because someone did a detective work and the Sabadini family were featured in 2018 in W Magazine with the two family members looking very Euro trashy. And I mean that in the best way possible in front of the painting. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. I mean, there's no end to the amount of money that this guy has. I mean, when I was in Venice, I went to a museum that was literally just his contemporary art collection. Like, this guy is, like, fucking crazy. So spending, how much did he spend on this, Tiffany? Oh, the acquisition of Tiffany? Yeah. No, I, no, no, just this painting. Oh, Sorry. it's the, not It's not known, but it's probably eight figures. So maybe, let's say, eight Eight million, nine million, but they also yeah. For him, that's like when we go to Starbucks and get the shaken oat milk espresso and some egg bites, you know. Oh yeah, I mean they bought Tiffany for fifteen point eight billion dollars. Honestly, I'm sure he's he's deducting the purchase of the painting <laughs> through the company purchase anyway. So I'm sure. But I mean, ultimately, I don't think that people should be giving Beyonce a ton of shit about this. Like, it's not. Her intention was not to glamorize colonialism. Um, I guess she just kind of fell victim to selling out. And sometimes this shit can happen. I was going to say she fell victim to a to a glossy PDF <laughs> that she was sent. She was like, this seems like a great idea. I bet the deck was impeccable. Is this a good dovetail into the September issues of which Beyonce sure. is on the cover of Harper's Bazaar? Yeah, we can definitely start with that. So the bizarre September cover, Beyonce photographed by Campbell Addy. It's three separate covers, all the same setup. What do you think? I mean, we we spoke about this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the Ivy Park collection that she dropped. It's pretty astonishing that she can command a September issue cover just to be like, hey, here's my uh, Adidas athleisure line. Yeah, no, it is. It is nuts. But I think just generally speaking, it's not a bad cover, but it's what... It's exactly what you would expect a magazine cover of Beyonce to look like. And I think magazine covers should change the way that we see celebrities, not just like, right? I mean, they rarely do, but fair enough. I mean, Elle definitely changed the way I see Selena Gomez. Go on. Not necessarily in a good way, but... The L cover was Selena Gomez by Inez and Venude. From the neck up, she looks like Marilyn Monroe. She looks like your neighbor. <laughs> From the neck down, she looks like Chanel's version of like a St. Mark's Place punk. Yeah. yeah. She's sitting in what looks to be a seedy mid-century hotel room. And it's also the Latinx issue. Can't forget that. Can you believe Elle is using such inclusive language? <laughs> But the problem with this cover, as people swiftly pointed out, is that the clothes that she's wearing, the entire team, like no one of Latin descent was involved in this apart from Selena. Right. She also looks very white in it. Like it feels photoshopped. Well, that was another thing that people criticized was that, again, because she's like clearly trying to evoke Marilyn Monroe or that sort of like white beauty ideal. I don't. I don't know about all the dolled up thing. My favorite is because I was flipping through this in my my mom's house. What you what is cut off on the cover, but is in the spread of her article is on the nightstand in this photo are rare beauty. Her makeup line, rare beauty is seen on the nightstand. Love a little subtle prop styling. Not so subtle prop styling. But I mean, one thing that I think is important to mention is that the editor in chief of this magazine, Nina Garcia, is Latin. So ultimately. It's on her, right? And former Project Run, OG Project Runway judge, Nina Garcia. I think she's, is she not still? Does that show still exist? Didn't the original people like Tim Gunn and Heidi Klum move over to In the Cut or whatever it's called? 
I don't know. I lost track years ago. Sorry, guys. We're not. We've moved on. It's we interesting. Can't. It seems like they were going for like a Petra Collins, Ellen Von Unworth vibe, but they just chose not to hire either of those photographers. Yeah. Not our fave. Uh, Vogue. <laughs> Vogue's cover is a bunch of models, including Kaya Gerber, Precious Lee, Bella Hadid, and my favorite, Lourdes Leone by Ethan James Green. Can I say how she is credited in the magazine is Lola Leon. She's fabulous. We stan. However, I don't know if Vogue stands her because they... <laughs> <laughs> what disrespect? Just a, just a side profile. I think there's three too many models on this cover. <laughs> three too many? <laughs> okay. I mean, look, I think Ethan James Green is a great photographer. He's giving us Maplethorpe. He's giving us Avedon. He's fantastic. And I love the concept of shooting an editorial inside the Vogue offices. It's very meta and it's very in keeping with something that Vogue Italia would do. But I don't love this as a cover image. And I don't love the styling throughout the entire editorial, which is all American designers. But there's nothing exciting about it. They picked pieces and designers that just aren't that interesting. Like, who cares what Tom Ford's doing right now? Continue Chelsea Fairless, Tom Ford slander. Well, I mean, just look at the Tom Ford look in this editorial and tell me that I'm wrong. There is a beautiful Rick Owens gown, though, I will say. You're not wrong. What I love about the cover is it feels to me, just the subtext of it, it's like, let's salute the real heroes, the the (laughs) below-the-line people at Vogue. Yeah, love that. That assistant art director. Well, I love the extra who's on the cover, who's designing the Vogue cover in the background. I mean, because if you're doing these kind of shoots, it's like you need random people to make them look good. Like it can't just be models or it looks dumb. But I love how this guy is designing what looks to be a pandemic cover of Vogue (laughs) because it's just like a sunset. With the Vogue logo? It looks like a New Yorker, New York magazine cover after a tragedy's happened. Yeah, exactly. This is like the post 9-11 Vogue subscribers only supplement or something. Which, whatever. I mean, every every few years, Vogue for a September issue will do a like, here are the models of the time. This is, I think, the first September issue with that kind of concept that actually has POCs in it. So like, good for them. That's true. I would have liked a range of ages. Like, I missed those covers they used oh. to do that was like models, but it was like older models, younger models. I always think that that just like visually is really strong. Yeah, March, April used to be the age issue, but maybe they got rid of that because it was kind of ageist. (laughs) They only recommend Oscar de la Renta caftans once you get to be like 50 and up and it's just like over. It's like, yeah, here's a giant statement necklace. They were like, hide your body. And wear a giant necklace so we're only looking at your collarbones, you hag. Yeah. Nuts. I actually wish the fake cover that he was designing was just the cover of the magazine and it just continued on for infinity. Like looking at yourself in two mirrors. Yeah. And lastly, we wanted to get to the cover of Interview, which is Doja Cat, photographed by Eric Johnson. What a breath of fresh. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, this is the only one that I actually like. It's the Horny for New York issue, and it features what is quite possibly the most legit looking New York interior, which is, you know, a shitty apartment. Doja Cat is basically posing on a bed that kind of looks like Tracy Emin's uh, bed piece. Right. (laughs) Do you also love it? Because, well, no, it doesn't mirror your apartment, but I was going to say there's a bunch of like magazines (laughs) shoved under the bed. You would have them. I'm not that messy. No, you would have it nicely displayed. But I love the messiness of the prop styling. I love that she has like some dirty, like stuffed pig on the bed, like a stuffed animal pig, not like a literal. Yes. The Taxidermy situation. The shoe is very artfully fallen off her foot and is perfectly underneath the bed. It's giving me like Nan Golden vibes. And if you think like you're going to move to New York and live in Carrie Bradshaw's apartment, just know that you're actually going to be in this apartment that Doja Cat is in. That is your future. And to all the poor people who've just moved to New York, (laughs) your apartment is probably currently flooded right now as well. Uh, Yeah, Sending prayers to everyone in New York. Jesus fucking Christ. Did you see those videos? I know. My friend was posting that her basement had flooded. It was even more apocalyptic than the Dolce & Gabbana men's show. All right. To wrap this up, where should people be spending their money? I'm going to say as someone who flipped through the Bazaar issue, I think Bazaar is worth your money. There's a lot of great editorials and interview. 
So after several weeks off, we have so much Kardashian news. Our cup runneth over. Kardashaholics Anonymous. This is a case for the FBI. <laughs> Where should we start? Donda? Donda. 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 Okay. Donda. <laughs> So that's our cover of uh, the first track on Donda, the Donda chant. Yes, <laughs> which is just a sample of Donda being said over and over and over again for nearly a minute. Would I shamed you for not listening to the entire album ahead of us recording this episode? I did not realize it was an hour and 45 minutes long. That is a lot to expect of anyone, even, you know, the biggest Kanye stands. Also, we grew up in an era of a lot of skits before songs. Like I think of Janet's The Janet album. But this just has a lot of part twos of songs later on in the album. Well, yeah, because there's basically two versions of four of the songs on this album right. and in the case of the song Jesus Lord which is like practically 10 minutes that Je Jesus Lord alone is 20 minutes of this album you know what I mean when we could have just had a five minute version of Jesus Lord that's another thing about Donda that like there's a lot of songs I don't like there's a handful of songs that I do like but I don't know which ones I like because they all have super religious names so I'm like wait do I like praise God or do I like Jesus Lord yeah it's like which one has the Lauren Hill sample that one I like <laughs> it's really confusing it was suddenly dropped on Sunday and then immediately Kanye was like universal release this without my permission and they also did not include Jail Part 2, which is the one with Marilyn Manson in Baby. Oh, no. I miss so much. <laughs> Look, it's no My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I dare not say that his best work is behind him, but I think his best albums he has already done. But that's kind of like an impossible bar to clear, you know? Correct. Like any artist only really has a few like really brilliant albums and he's kind of like had them. You either go the Marilyn Manson route or the Robert Smith route where you're like, I'm never taking off the makeup. This is just who I am. Yes. Am I 55 and overweight and still wearing lipstick? Of course. Or you go the Bowie Trent Reznor route where they're like, yeah, I, I'm happy now. I can't write angry, sad music that have lyrics like, you know, gray would be the color if I had a heart, which is a real Nine Inch Nails lyric. Very emo-y. It's <laughs> like, I'm going to go be a composer. I'm going to produce Halsey's record okay yeah we still need to listen to that i mean also i think it's a lot of jesus for a lot of people that, and you know by what a I lot mean? of people you mean you this was your concern going in well it's a lot of jesus and god and rapping about ezekiel and shit i mean but i don't know i mean i've yet to um accept jesus christ as my personal lord and savior but maybe donda's gonna change that do you think marilyn manson has <laughs> Lauren, what would you do if you were driving by Mosaic and I was getting baptized in one of those dunk tanks on the lawn? Would you drive by or would you pull over to support me? For those of you who don't live in Los Angeles, there is a hipster church down the street from me called Mosaic. And this is Kanye adjacent because like Kanye, Mosaic has very successfully rebranded Christianity by using like sans serif typefaces and stuff. Correct. But they will a few times a year pre-pandemic do baptisms on the corner of La Brea and Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> we have to go next year. We do. Yeah. When this stuff is over. Should we get into the third listening event, which might have been the thing that pushed Universal over the edge? Well, the third listening event was, in my mind, the most mage and kind of the most exciting thing that's happened around this rollout because this is when we got to see Kim Kardashian in the, the single seam uh, Balenciaga couture gown. I honestly, so the photo came out first and everyone was like, it's Kim, it's Kim, it's Kim. And it was such a far away photo and she's wearing a veil that I was like, this asshole hired a Kim looking model to be in the dress. There's no way that Kim would yet again fly, take time away from Skims, skin beauty, her law degree to dress up in a wedding dress for the man she's about to divorce. Alas, I was wrong. I'm I gave sorry. Kim too these, much credit. These Kardashian women are ride or die, like even for people 
people they're divorcing. I mean, it it was a really stunning look. I mean, shout outs to Cristobal Balenciaga for that incredible silhouette and Demna for reinterpreting it so beautifully. Do you think they're getting back together? I don't know. I hope not for both of their sake, you know? I wouldn't be surprised if you see a couple more them at Nobu together photos and then the divorce proceeds. We should also mention that in this listening party was the one where Kanye built a replica of his childhood home, which was apparently a halfway house for canceled men. (laughs) Because where else? We wonder where they go. It's... (laughs) Yeah, who else was back there? Was was Charlie Rose and Kevin Spacey back there? We're saying this because at a certain point, Marilyn Manson and DaBaby came out. But I think that was the worst punishment for Marilyn Manson. I'm saying this sarcastically. Please don't come into my DMs. Because he didn't do anything. He just had to awkwardly sit there and bob his head. Yeah. For the entirety of the time that he was out there. Well, also, I think that like pairing DaBaby and Marilyn Manson really drags DaBaby down because like (laughs) even further. I'm sorry, girl. It's one thing to say some homophobic shit, which let's face it, is like half of rappers, right? That's not even that unusual. I'm not like saying it's right. I'm just stating a fact. Right. It's another thing to be accused of sexual assault and rape by like 12 people. Like that's that is apples and oranges. The other thing that is making waves recently is in one lyric in the song Hurricane, it seems that Kanye admits that he cheated on Kim after they had their first two kids. He says, what did did he say? It says, here I go acting too rich. Here I go with a new chick. And I know what the truth is. Still playing after two kids. It's a lot to digest when your life always moving. Okay, that doesn't seem like that over. That could also be interpreted as like he has a new chick after they got separated or something, right? Well, no, because he says still playing after two kids. They had two more kids after the first two kids. Mm, (laughs) Sorry, I didn't I didn't understand that. I mean, I think the most exciting thing about Donda for me is that it's really paying tribute to so many wonderful like Japanese avant-garde fashion designers. (laughs) Did you notice this? Well, obviously there was Junya Watanabe. Yes, one and two. So we have two versions of right. that song. One, in, Which one's in, better, part one, part two? I think part two is better because that's the one where Undercover's Jun Takahashi is also name dropped. And then another song, Dover Street Market, is mentioned. So would you consider this era the uh, avant Japanese designer era? Which is weird because at all of these events, he's not, he's been wearing Balenciaga. Yeah, which is, I mean, that's where he is right now. But it's like these hype beasts do need to give respect to these designers. I'm sure this is not going to be the last, unfortunately, that we're talking about Donda. But there's so much Kardashian news. Oh, yeah. What else do we have to... Uh, Kylie's pregnant. We missed that in the last recording. It's because it seems like their hand was forced because Caitlyn was doing a campaign event and was like, I, I have 18 children. Actually, I'm about to... Or 18 grandchildren. I'm about to have a 19th. It's so sad that I was in Venice during Caitlyn's town hall, so we couldn't go together. Absolutely not. <laughs> Anyway, Kylie's probably pregnant. E ran an article. She has not officially confirmed. Bless the detectives on TikTok. There yeah. was one woman that like really went in at Kylie's birthday and investigating nail colors and how the all of the they didn't post any photos of Kylie because she's pregnant and looking at the previous year's birthday Instagram role and well yeah with the Kardashians you can always date things by their nails yeah so she's posting like one photo from her birthday where it's you just see her hand clinking a glass and it's one nail color and then you see the you know fit pics that she posted on her birthday and it's clearly from weeks ago i think she's gonna remain as she did with the first pregnancy but maybe we'll get one or two actual grid posts of her pregnant i hope so then we have kendall jenner being named the creative director of the e-commerce website forward which i we've never gotten more dms being like you're gonna talk about this on the podcast right did we yeah i am so indifferent about this 
First of all, the idea of celebrity employment is just a hilarious concept in general. Like, we all know that it doesn't mean anything. What I find more humorous are always the press releases where they have to make it something that it isn't. So Kendall goes, this position means an additional step in my journey with fashion where I can work with the brands and creative teams I have admired in fresh new ways. I see this as a great opportunity to put what I've learned into practice and most likely learn even more. Look, she's, we know she's not doing day-to-day creative director shit. She's not, like, dealing with budgets, you know? She's not, like, making decks. She's not doing research. It's just... She's picking and choosing, which the Kardashians have been doing since the dawn of their reign, since 2007. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, every once in a while she's shooting the creative team an email like, oh, you know, I really like uh, the e-com photography on Essence. Let's try and make it more like that or something. You wish. I mean, it's, I find when stuff like this happens, it's more insulting for their actual stylist, like a Danny Michelle, who is Kendall's stylist of like, Kendall has, I'm sure she has impulses, but like Kendall has style because Danny is pulling all those looks together for her. Well, we should go on LinkedIn. Like who's the actual creative director of- Of forward forward you mean that made up position that they made up for Kendall (laughs) does it is is it Kendall I'm gonna look it up now so I did not realize because there was such a press blitz when this story came out that actually the photo shoot and Kendall's first edit has dropped and I gotta tell you it's even worse than I thought it was going to be I don't think it's that bad it's like Celine in Bottega Influencer is what it is. Transfixed through the lens of like a fast fashion retailer. She only gives two quotes for two items, which honestly what I want more is Kendall's commentary on each edit select. So she has that Balenciaga. What's what's the famous bag that um, Nicholas Gaschieri came up with? The motorcycle bag? I, I, yeah. think, I don't even think that's what it's actually called, but I feel like but, that's just how we refer yeah, to it. Yeah, you know what that bag is. So it's a new version of that. It's, it's like a baguette version of that. And she goes, this Balenciaga bag is the season's new it bag. It's like, really? You mean the bag that's been in it bag since 2003? Well, to be fair, is it the more structured version that they kind of recently released? Because that is a new bag, technically. I mean, I think the thing is that's the most stunning is that they got Glenn Luchford to do e-com photography for Forward. Well, that's the other thing. Are they going to be doing a photo shoot with Kendall every single month? Here's hoping. Look, they got what they wanted. People are talking about it. Let's check in three months from now and see if this is still going on. We'll keep you abreast of Kendall's edits. Ooh, I kind of want that. Maybe Kendall's just great. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, no. Although that Tom Ford miniskirt is really ugly. Moving on. So more fallout from Venice. Can you even believe, Chelsea? What? So Courtney's ex, Eunice, exposed Scott Disick, who slid into Jonas? Eunice? Don't look at me. Eunice's DMs to send a photo from Daily Mail of Courtney astride Travis Barker that says, yo, is this chick okay? Exclamation point, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Bro, like, what is this in the middle of Italy? To which Jonas replied back, doesn't matter to me as long as she's happy. P.S. I ain't your bro. And then so wonderfully posted that exchange on Instagram stories for all of us to see. Fuck Scott. I love that he was on the reunion for the Kardashians like two months ago being like, oh, I have no problem with Travis. The one previous to him referring to Jonas, that's the guy I don't fuck with. And then suddenly he's in his DMs being like, let's talk shit about Courtney and how happy she is after we made her life a living hell. It's so fucking shitty. Let Courtney be happy. All Courtney ever asked of you is that you could like maintain your sobriety, which he can't do. So, which is my theory of why he has to date women between the ages of 18 and 20. So then you can't like refuse to get sober and then not let your baby mama move on to, you know, find happiness with a member of Blink 182. And also, no one is going to go with you on this, especially those of us who have watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians and saw you put her through hell for honestly 10 seasons of that show. Yeah. We started out this podcast not Courtney fans, and now we are? I also was a Scott fan at the beginning of this podcast, and now he's just like, his stock has fallen. Yeah, yeah. Our friend Maya was like, how could you like Scott? And we and you were like trying to search for a reason. And she was like, what does he even do for a living? And we were like, um... There's a Um, lot of emotional labor with being brought into this family. That's his job, is dealing with the emotional labor of being in the Kardashians He's also the creative director of Talentless, his basics brand. (laughs) 
Anyway, very embarrassing for everyone involved. I love Travis. Team, team Kravis. Team Kravis. And Travis is a man after my own heart because he seemingly replied to what happened by posting on Instagram stories a photo of Ray Liotta in Goodfellas laughing hysterically. Love him. He's hot. That's another one of my Venice takeaways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Report back. He was much more elegant looking than I anticipated just in terms of like his mannerisms and his like I fully got Got it. Yeah, he seems to have something. He was wearing these really fabulous Prada sunglasses. Like, it was a vibe. We're fully team Kravis now. Yeah. So we attempted to do an in and out list this week, but we didn't have it in us. It just, it wasn't flowing correctly. No, it wasn't happening. So instead, we would like to introduce a new feature called the Moment of Zen. This week's Moment of Zen is the truly beautiful paparazzi photos of Anna Wintour and Bill Nighy. Is that how you say his name? Nye. Bill Nye, like the science guy. Yeah, that's why it's a little confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so not the science guy, the one from Love Actually. And Anna Wintour have been going on dates. So yeah, there have been two dinners that they've had recently that have been... paparazzi. Yes, that have appeared on the Daily Mail. One of which, he brought Anna a single rose. And have you ever seen her look happier? Guys, she's cracking smiles in these photos. She looks like she's glowing. We're here for it. Also, it just seems like a really good pairing. She needs someone that's like elegant, British, a little dandyish without being annoying. Someone that can hang with her fashion friends, but someone that like is a little outside of that world. In my research, this isn't actually the first time that they've been reported to be together. In October of 2020, Daily Mail reported or posited that she was getting closer to Bill Nye amid split from her, quote, husband of 16 years, who is rumored to have returned to his first wife. A lot of rumors going on in this Ooh. article. Yeah, and the rumor was that they were had had an affair or were having an affair or something like that. I think that even predates that. I feel like I've been hearing about this for a while. That her and Shelby Bryan were no longer together? No, no, that her and um, Bill, Bill Nye, Nye, the science guy, were together. <laughs> Bill Nye, the British actor guy. Well, they've been seen on the fashion show circuit together since 2012. So she definitely was uh, backburnering him. Right. I think my favorite anecdote comes from this Daily Mail article that says Bill Clinton was on board Air Force One when he heard that one of his party's most valued donors was calling off his marriage and running off with Anna Wintour. The then U.S. president picked up the phone and called Shelby Bryan's long-suffering wife to offer his deepest sympathies. Whoa. I I wonder if Anna Wintour and Bill Nye are going to uh, watch Love Actually together come the holiday season. Will he be her date for the Met? That's that's going to be the big thing. That would be major. Anyway, we're describing these photos to you, but if you go into the show notes, you will see the photos and be able to experience the moment of zen for yourself. You know, it is us, so we do have to end on a note of discontent. So I'd like to bring up the moment of unzen. Oh, which is when you try and text a Daily Mail article to someone. And instead of it being a thumbnail of the story that you're talking about, it's a completely random video of them at an event that has nothing to do with the article you're sending them. Right. And sometimes you send Daily Mail articles because the headline is amazing. Sarah Jessica Parker and her slim pins. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But then when you send the article, the headline changes. And it's like Sarah Jessica Parker out in New York or something. You're like, that's not what I wanted to send. It doesn't always change, though. You never know with the Daily Mail. Daily Mail, get your shit together. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, This has been a whirlwind. Yeah, this has been a journey, a a transcontinental journey. Uh, Thank you guys for listening, as always. And thank you for sliding into our DMs and leaving reviews. It, It makes us feel great. Yeah, rate, review, like, subscribe. All that stuff. Yeah. All right, we'll be back next week. Bye, guys. Bye.